Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. My name is Catherine, and today I'm going to talk about Genesis 17. So, from verse one, it says, "When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, 'I am God Almighty.'" Okay, so, the name used here is El Shaddai, and in Hebrew, it, one of the meanings from、uh, from the Midrash, the、uh, the writings. Okay, so the Shaddai can be Uh, translated as this sufficient enough. So, this name of God El and is the sufficient one should die.、Uh, what God is doing is He's proclaiming to Abraham that He is an Almighty God who is sufficient for him. Okay, so God commanded Abraham to walk blamelessly in front of Him, and God continued to change on. So, continue on to change Abraham's name. Name to Abraham, and again, this is significant. Whenever there's a name change, there's always a change in a person's、uh, position、um, or the meaning. Okay, so Ham is related to the word Hamel, which means many. So Abraham or Abraham is literally the father of many. So God made Abraham wait, tested his faith, and finally gave him. His only son with Sarah later on in the scripture, and I believe this would have made it so much more difficult for him to give up his son at the altar in chapter twenty-two later on. Okay, so,、um, but however, I believe Abraham was also was able to experience God's own pain and suffering when God gave up Jesus for all of us on the cross. Jesus just as precious to God. The father is Isaac to Abraham, if not more. So Sarah's name also Sarai's name also changed into Sarah, and Sarah means a noble woman or princess. So both of their status and identities have been changed by God, and they became important in stature. And this signifies the important events that are to come later on. So then God continued to proclaim his. Blessings in verse six to eight. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you. And your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Okay, so that's verse eight. So the important act of covenant between Abraham,、uh, between God and Abraham, is being explained here. The circumcision. Why did God need another covenant with Abraham after the one he had before? Apostle Paul made an excellent argument for it in Romans two, chapter two and chapter four, and. In order to understand the book of Romans, one needs to fully understand what happened in Genesis. God made a covenant with Abraham back in chapter fifteen and in chapter seventeen. It's an outward sign of the covenant, and the entire descendants of Abraham belong to God. Okay, so circumcision is、uh, something that you can observe outside, physically. Okay, and it's not. Just a、um, a contract between Abraham and God. It's literally、um, being done on the physical body.
So the descendants of Abraham are to be in relationship with God and to be his people and obey God's commands. So in Romans 2, chapter 2, 28 to, um, no, sorry, chapter 2, verse uh, 18 to 19, um, oh, sorry, 28 to 29, sorry. A person is not a Jew who is only out, outwardly, or nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. Nor, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Okay, so Apostle Paul brilliantly described what it means to be a people of God. And that is a circumcision, not only in the physical body. It is most importantly in people's hearts and by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Abraham had faith in God, and this act of circumcision comes to be a proof of that. Both his physical and spiritual descendants are blessed through this covenant with God. So for Gentiles like us, we're not required to have a physical circumcision like the Jews did, but we have an equivalent of the circumcision, which is the Holy Spirit. So after we believed in the death and resurrection of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to be our spiritual circumcision. Uh, a spirit is, that is our enabler, like a good friend who accompanies us through life's ups and downs. Now, the Greek word for Holy Spirit, um, paraclete, well, there's a few different names, but one of the names um, literally means someone who stands beside us. And not only that, he comes into us and instructs us on the wisdom of God. So here I would like to divert a bit and talk about the Holy Spirit before we go on. Uh, many people from the charismatic churches tend to fall into what we call the sensationalism. And what I mean is people focus on experience more than in their transformation from the walk of God, the walk with God daily. And people think that they can only find Holy Spirit from the charismatic churches, but I don't think it's true. And I'm not saying all charismatic churches are bad, uh, but if you see the leaders focus too much on making a certain type of noise, screaming, yelling, shaking your bodies, or speaking in uh, gibberish, or you have to do certain rituals, then you better get out of there. I have been to some charismatic churches, and the brothers and sisters there are wonderful. Um, so this doesn't apply to all charismatic churches. <clears throat> but we do need to know the scripture well in order to differentiate the wheat from the chaff. So on a side note, uh, for speaking of tongues, it shouldn't just be making random noises. Uh, it should be like the apostles in the New Testament um, during the Pentecost that they began to speak different languages. It should be understandable and translatable. So if someone just stood up and speak gibberish, then you know something is very wrong. The Holy Spirit is like, is gentle like a dove. And he will not force himself into you like other evil spirits tend to do. And that's the difference I would like to stress on. Okay, so let's continue on to chapter 17. Then God said to Abraham, 
As for you, you must keep my covenant and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who was eight years old must be circumcised including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born to your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And this makes a lot of sense when we read Exodus 4, chapter 4, verse 24 to 27. There's this short account of God uh, trying to kill Moses on the way to Egypt because he didn't follow through with this commandment from God. Okay, so it is. this happened after God commanded uh, Moses to go back to Egypt and to take, to rescue his people out. But then it Many people find it baffling that how come God wanted to kill Moses on the way there. So uh, we see from chapter 4, Exodus 4, 24 to 27, it says, At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskins, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you're a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At this time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. So what this means is that she did circumcision for her son and because Moses didn't do it. And he should have done it because every, um, every descendant of Abraham should know this, but he didn't do it. So that's why this account was um, put into the Bible. To show that um, how serious God takes the covenants with Abraham and his descendants. Um, so these short sentences don't make sense if we don't look at the Genesis account first. So the act of circumcision is overlooked until after Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, and that Gentiles like us are also included in the descendants of Abraham spiritually by faith. Okay, so let's read the rest of chapter 17. So God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will get greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah, 
will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And so this name Isaac in Hebrew, Ishak, means laugh. So God probably named Abraham's son with this name humorously because Abraham laughed when God told him he'll have a baby with Sarah with such an old age. Okay, so both him and Sarah were advancing age. And just like Apostle Paul said, they were considered dead in their physical body, aka not able to bring forth another child. So on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or brought with him money, every male in his household and circumcised them, as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or, or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. 